0: I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, I'm trying to get with and meet people in this space to be able to collaborate. And when I saw you, you know, I feel like we speak the same language, but actually in a little bit different of a of a way, which I really um, liked. You know, I, I love when I hear the concepts that I think being shared in a different voice in a different perspective. So I was hoping we could just kind of talk about some of
1: those things. Yeah. I think that sounds great.
0: Yeah. Sounds cool. Um, and I love the idea. Well, and then this actually isn't on the list of questions that I have for you, but I love the idea of your universal man. Um, theme and program. Can you just share your idea of, for, for the listeners, I think I understand it, but your idea of where you came up with the concept of universal man.
1: Sure. So, well, it's kind of ironic you bring this up because I'm, I'm phasing out that branding because Mm -hmm. it's kind of complex. Like, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I wanted to, basically it's like, I got into this, got into YouTube and everything like that and coaching, um, specifically helping guys quit porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a few years of doing that, you know, very successful with it, I r- realized I want to talk about more. Cause like mm-hmm. I would help these guys and then they disappear and it's mm-hmm. like, well, I want to keep working with you. Cause you know, my, I always wanted to go beyond just quitting porn. So I was like, all right, well, what's a good umbrella brand where I could just expand beyond quitting porn, but also still have it there. Um, and so that's where I came up with universal man, which is, mm-hmm. uh, in, in many ways, it's kind of like a translation of, uh typical kind of like Judeo-Christian morality into more psychological and secular language Mm -hmm. uh, while really focusing in on the practical tool sets that will allow you to actually live up to the morals that you set for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the biggest issues that guys face is that they have this conception of what a good guy is supposed to be, but they have no idea how to actually get themselves to be that person. And so that's what universal man is about. Um, But Moving forward, I'm just going to be operating under Mark Quepet, and then my porn recovery stuff will be under my Reforged Man uh, brand, which is the name of my porn addiction recovery course, which I'm about to relaunch in a whole new format. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of where. <laughs> yeah, Awesome. Are.
0: I mean, I struggle with that. Uh, you know, if you look at my life <laughs> and my uh, company and branding, it has flip-flopped between broad and focal and complex and simplistic because of exactly what you're talking about is that, you know, it, it really is all-encompassing. And when people get into my program, a uh, gentleman on Monday, he's like, this program's not even really about quitting porn. It's about becoming, you know, a better version of yourself in so many different ways. And, you know, and that's what you're, t- what you're talking about there. And I love how you put kind of like say that men conceptualize themselves in one way, but don't know how to take them the way that they act and feel and think, and then meet that concept. And, you know, when I talk with people and all the videos I make, I put an action step at the, I call it a brain tip strategy, but it's an action step at the end of every concept because people love like hearing a concept, except for then how do you take that concept, make it show up in your life. Right. And that's an action step. So, uh, you know, I was talking to another guy and he's like, I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm like, just get up and go (laughs) literally get up right now and go do this thing. Just go do it for one second. Be the person who does that, not just thinks about how you're going to do it. And, you know, and it really is about uh, action steps. And I, I love the universal man concept too, because from my standpoint, the way to help people with addictions is neuro, bio, psycho, social, which can be termed in a different way in terms of, you know, morality, but it really is looking at a whole person and improving those aspects so that, you know, a person can move forward and thrive and become the best version of themselves. Um, okay. So I would love to talk about, especially as a neuroscientist, I saw one of your videos, which I totally loved because I don't know if all your videos start this way, but you're like jamming out to some tunes. And I'm like, that is so I should start videos with me jamming out to tunes. And cause I love that. I'm always talking about music. Music's really, uh, uh, you know, a big part of invigorating, but talking about how you turn flight into fight, because in the nervous system, escaping into porn or into a screen or into social media, or even into alcohol or drugs, it is a flight mecha- mechanism. And I talk about it as approach and engagement moving towards instead of a way I'd love for you to share kind of some of your concepts of, around that idea.
1: Sure. So I think one of the biggest things is that if you want to be able to show up with this kind of like fight energy you have to feel like you stand a chance cuz like you you take it down to the most primitive level it's like you're you're going to run away unless you think you got a chance at winning right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. having some kind of framework some kind of game plan in terms of dealing with whatever your identified thing that you're running away from is is probably you know step number 1 mm-hmm. and so a lot of my work has been to really delve into what does that look like specifically on the internal level? Like essentially what I've done with, you know, my life professionally is I spent, several thousand hours like wandering around like you know in the darkness of the (laughs) internal world trying to map stuff out and like i think of myself as many ways like a internal spelunker like i go into the cave and then i map out how things work get lost a lot you know Run it, you know fall into a bunch of pits with you know stakes at the bottom and then (laughs) try and draw up a map for people uh, on the other side, and you know, this has been been,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. you know,
1: expanded from like by working with so many people at this point. So, mm-hmm. like, that's that's the biggest thing. And so, if you want, we can get into like the specifics of what that that looks like. But at the end of the day, it, it comes down to having a game plan that you're willing to institute. And I guess maybe at the the, the most base level is also having something at stake, right? Because like, you're only going to fight if you feel like mm-hmm. something is worth protecting. And, you know, at the bottom level, you have to believe that you are worth protecting. Right. Mm -hmm. So it comes immediately to, you know, your own sense of self, at least within the realm of porn. Um, You can maybe temporarily uh, initially use someone else like I'm going to do it for my family or I'm going to do it for my my wife or whatever. But eventually it's just like, you know, it's just too easy to just slip out that phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just one time won't hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and technically, technically, maybe it wouldn't, maybe technically you could just use it one time and your, so. your family wouldn't <laughs> suffer or your wife wouldn't suffer, whatever your brain and, would suffer. Like, <laughs> right. And so like at a certain point, it has to be about you and you standing up for yourself. So I think that's kind of like the, the beginning point for, yeah, for that's all this t- kind of work.
0: That's totally awesome. I really love that. And uh just to kind of recap it for myself and for listeners, because I think it was really powerful, is first of all, recognizing that there is something to fight. You know, because if you are fleeing, if you're in flight mode, a lot of people don't even realize like that they are fleeing into porn or into escapism. They don't even get they're doing that. They just think it's a casual hobby to relax but when you look at it and go yeah i'm really like triggers are actually the things that need to be addressed so when people are like i relapsed you know why what what triggered you uh, i was stressed out what were you stressed out about so those are the things that you have to move towards that's what the things that need to be quote unquote fought and i don't love the idea of attack or fight but in especially when we talk about the nervous system You know, maybe it's finances, maybe it's your relationship, maybe it's the job you hate, maybe it's the fact that all you do is work.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I I would add maybe a nuance to that. And I think this is important. It's like specifically with men, uh, I believe that there is a very kind of visceral sort of combat state that men can enter into. I think women can too, but I think it's just easier if you're in a high T system to access this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to know how to direct it because most guys, I think, direct it wrongly. And they start trying to fight themselves and you never want to use your combat energy to yourself. Cause like you're saying, there's usually some kind of problem. There's usually actually some part of yourself that you need to essentially rescue the part that's hurting that part that like feels like, you know, being attacked by the stressful situation or the finances or whatever, but there is something that you can direct that energy at, which I would say is lies and deceptions. And this is, it's these limiting beliefs and then also the false narratives that, flow through your mind those are the things that you can ruthlessly eliminate and learning how to bring that kind of aggressive energy to that conversation can be extremely empowering
0: Mm, yeah i love it i love it yeah just uh debunking all the all the scripts that are running programming it's most times it's programming from the past you know and it's uh it's programmed from culture or from community or family, uh, yeah. programming, trauma, trauma programs so much of family dysfunction, you know, all of that. Yeah. yeah I love that. I think and sometimes it's porn. even
1: just like our raw, like neurobiology kind of lies to us or at least deceives us. So for mm-hmm. example, it presents porn as this thing. It's like, Oh, this will feel good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, part of the picture what if we expand the picture well there's also a huge amount of pain on the other side and so it's like we have to go to work to expand and look at the full truth and like that's where uh you know even just our simple emotions can be deceptive and we got to train ourselves to constantly clarify them and get and, and work within reality to the best of our ability
0: yeah definitely and then especially when uh when consumption tips to a point of compulsivity The brain, and like you said, the neurological system is literally trained to only go towards the short-term easy reward. It's trained not to even look for the big picture, just to look for that really quick dopamine hit so that you can feel good without having to work for it. And then ignoring the fact that, you know, real life requires some amount of effort to be able to get a reward, and, you know, you've trained many, many people have trained that out of themselves, and then that becomes really, really difficult for them. And I like how you call it a prison of comfort, you know, to segue <laughs> to the next idea. Like literally people create prisons of comfort because it becomes so overwhelming looking at the big picture, big picture thinking becomes really difficult and all that small picture, immediate gratification, and it's also on a neurochemical level makes it so that that's where the focus is, and without seeing the pain, which is the box that they're put in, the prison, and its seeming comfort. And when I talk about pleasure from from porn, I always refer to dopamine as it's seemingly pleasurable or the you know seemingly pleasure neurotransmitter because in the short run it gives you that, but in the long run it gives you all the pain that I know for sure and not in today's day and age, people aren't associating all of the problems they have outside of pornography as being related to it. Right. And it is like, you know, anxiety, depression, so many people with suicidal ideation, just general malaise, you know, unhappiness with their partner uh, discomfort with the idea of engagement all goes back to those high levels of dopamine from porn within the sessions, but then none of it outside. And it's a prison of comfort. Do you have anything to add to that idea? I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's almost like you're, uh, you're staging a, a prison break and depending <laughs> on like how, you know, severe your addiction is, is like how deep you are into like the maximum security. And it's like, there's these different levels. So for like, you know, level one for most guys is learning how to like snap out of autopilot. So, like, you got to learn how to actually become conscious and self-aware in the moments that you're triggered. If you're just, you know, firing off a muscle memory, you know, the URL to your favorite porn site, well, you know, you're sunk. There's nothing we can do there. So, there's got to be, like, some conditioning done there to just snap yourself awake and have a plan. And then from there, like, next level is learning how, like, that it's it's not just about your sex drive. Like, what you were saying is, like, we train our brain and it's almost like... <laughs> Guys, they think they their issue with porn is that they're just so horny. They just got this super mm-hmm. active sex drive. I'm like, mm, not exactly. High, yeah, high, the-
0: libido, <laughs> high libido. High <laughs> libido.
1: Right. Right. That's what I used to think until I realized, oh, actually, I just used this sexual, you know, stimulation as the answer to all my problems. So whenever I would feel a problem, after a certain while, my brain didn't even it didn't even register that I was stressed. It didn't even register that I was, you know, feeling insecure or whatever my brain just said, oh, there's a problem. Give us the medicine and the medicine's porn. And -hmm. so it just made me think that I was constantly just, you know, (laughs) horny all the time when in reality I had a a host of other problems. And so it's like, okay, you recognize that. And then the next layer of getting out of it is looking at, well, what are these patterns of dysfunction that are causing my problems? How do I solve them? And then, you know, you progress from there. So there's, there's layers to this thing and it's complex because, you know, porn in many ways, ultra simplifies your life and the way that Really any addiction does. It's like, mm-hmm. my answer to everything is this one thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. no one thing that can replace it. And so we take it out. It's like, oh, we actually need a whole suite of solutions. What the heck? That's not fair. And then <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then it's the process of like learning that, how sounds to hard. that up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that sounds challenging to establish in my life. Yeah, I know. I know. Absolutely. I, I love the way you put that prison with multiple levels. And you know, when people tell me that, you know, here I go, I'm gonna. I'm going for it day one, you know, and it's like, change something, change anything. Like, like you're saying, you know, and there's methodical and categorical ways that people can make those initial changes, like you say, to snap yourself out of it. But when people tell me, you know, they'll write it in the comments, day one, here I go, like change anything because that autopilot is the thing that is very difficult for people to escape. And, you know, I love that, that it's just challenging to go from, you know, with, my experience with many people from getting from that first level, way down deep to the second level can be really difficult. And like you were saying before, that's why doing it because your girlfriend wants you to it it, in with people I work with, it hardly ever works because if they're only 50% or 20% committed, but you're right. Some people can go 50% committed and then get into the process and go, Oh, cool. Cool. This is now. I see why I should leave this behind. But the people who are inspired to leave it behind before themselves are the ones who can make the recovery journey because that first level, getting out of solitary confinement, is the hardest thing to do, and to be able to get to the next level. Um, but snapping out of autopilot and changing as many things as possible is really, really powerful. And you know, going back to the brain too, there's the the neural pathways that are built to just hit that easy button, as I always call it, like just going back to pleasure and sex to solve all the problems. You're right. You have to build this whole suite of solutions. And that also requires time. So, you know, to be able to figure out how to get dopamine in different ways. And I'm sure you talk the same way that I do. I encourage people to get a defensive mechanism going to keep them from going back on autopilot Sure. While they're establishing the the suite, getting the suite set
1: up. Yeah. I want to share something with you that I kind of discovered uh, almost by accident. Like, you know, journaling is a very important tool and everything. But the thing that's proven to be a massive game changer, particularly for getting guys out of autopilot, uh, almost to the point where they can overcome urges without any effort is what I call preemptive journaling, mm-hmm. where basically it's like every morning you do a creative journal entry where you are. Writing about like, here's my reasons why I'm staying clean. And then here's exactly what I'll do if I get triggered and just pre-priming the brain every day. And it's not copy and paste. You have to force your brain to think these thoughts because the biggest thing you can do is, is make sure your brain is actually skilled at reflexively producing these things like on their own, and so mm-hmm. it's like if I like one of my first tests, they don't even know they're being tested. You know, when I'm, I'm working <laughs> uh, with a potential client, is like, hey, so what are your reasons for quitting porn? Mm-hmm. And if there's any stammering, if they're like, oh well, um, you know, uh, well, I'm like, all right, well, automatically we have a huge problem. It should be just popping out of your brain, and the best way you can do that is by like writing it down. And uh, you know, same thing for your responses to like pr- particular triggers or um. Uh, rationalizations, all that stuff should be reflexive. And just a simple journal entry, you know, few minutes each day done creatively can be a huge game changer on that level.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. It's same thing, similarly, not the same, but uh, you know, a morning routine for people. I mean, you know, this optimal performers, peak performers, all have a morning routine that puts their mind and their brain and their bodies in the right mindset to stay on purpose, whatever their goal is for the day. So, if your goal is to actually leave porn behind and not get sucked back into it, then you have to keep reminding yourself of that. And I'm sure you know that in all the goals you're accomplishing, like if they're not on the top of your brain, then you do, we do, we're creatures of habit until we build a new really solid habit. You know, you'll be want your brain will want to pull you back into the homeostasis of the old stuff you had going on. And I really like that. I have people write three goals and three gratitudes every day in their journal in the morning. And it's similar, it's giving them time and space to think about what's the things that they want to create today. And mine is more focused on like, when you create three goals, cause I know, and you know, it comes from neuroscience, but also my own experience. I'm a 130 goal a day kind of girl. So I'm constantly, you know, behind the eight ball and not doing enough, which, you know, a lot of people are like that. Then there's other people who can't get themselves off of their consoles, you know, playing games or watching porn. So they don't have even one goal for the day, Never mind three. And so when you set three goals and then obviously neuroscience, I'm sure you've heard shows that gratitude is really powerful to bring your brain and bring you back into that space. And so, especially at the beginning of this journey, uh, I was talking and I run groups in my program too. I was talking to a bunch of guys the other day and one guy's like, my goal every day is just not to watch porn. Is that not deep enough? I'm like, it's totally pragmatic and perfect for you right now because somebody else's goals were more, you know, esoteric and existential. And, you know, there becomes this transition where people go from, I'm just not going to watch porn today to, you know, I'm going to do this deep dive in whatever thing I'm trying to create. But if you achieve your three goals each day, you have three gratitudes also. Mm -hmm. And then what I have people do is I have them make a physical pivot plan and a pivot plan kit. So, mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, changing your mental and physical space is so important in the moments of urges. And like you said, a trigger, find out what the triggers are, what they mean for you, what, where they're coming from, what they're going to make you do, and then break it in that very second. And, and you're totally right ahead of time having that plan. And it's very similar to try to shift that brain out of like where they were to where we want them to be in those moments, which that to me is like the, the most challenging thing for people to do upfront. And I know, you know, those strategies that you and I share um, are very similar. Uh, Okay. So can I move on to, I love this concept of stop trying to be someone Stop trying to be someone and, you know, tap into the hidden potential that is already within you. And that probably goes back to the spelunking that you have done to, you know, and it goes back to what I was just saying, like, you know, for me as an achiever, I'm always, or I try not to, but my default mode is to achieve, to be worthy enough. And you were Mm. saying that a lot of people and I have to keep myself at the point where that doesn't become part of my identity because I was trained that way. And then I trained myself that way. Hmm. And the training becomes internalized. And I love the idea of stop trying to be someone, just figure out who you are and right. be that person and be happy being that person. And it goes back to authentic self and you saying, you know, when you sp- spelunk in there and try to figure all this stuff out. What informs the way you're acting? What informs your personality, your identity? Um, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the way I see it is you can kind of have two modes of motivation. Either you can be in what I would call a possessive mode of operation where you're trying to get something. Mm-hmm. And the fundamental like identity around this area is, is, is a vacuous one where you think like inherently I'm not good enough and I need to go out and grasp at this achievement to gain the status that allows me to like myself. And so it's like, you're like this black hole who's constantly trying to get stuff. And so from this perspective, it's like, ah, you know, you better go to the gym or else you, you stink. Right. If you want to be good, well, you better go get those muscles. Right. And then a lot of negative self-talk and basically force and coercion is the mode of operation. And this is how I think probably most people operate most of the time. Um, the other alternative is an expressive mode of operation where you say, all right, listen, I'm already inherently good. And since I'm good, I want to treat myself well. It's like instead of a black hole, it's like this this radiant sort of light. It's like the cups overflowing. It starts with you saying all right, I'm good. And since I'm good, I want to express that goodness in my physicality. And that's why I'm going to go to the gym. I want to have my physical body represent the strength that already exists inside of me. And it's like, in some ways you can kind of boil it down to the systems versus goals idea. It's like, you know, the goal is not to just lose X amount of weight or make X amount of money. It's to follow the system of authentic expression, which may be going to the gym three times a week or implementing your business plan. But it's it's an entirely different sort of thing because when you're coming at it from that expressive place and you select you know your systems and mode of expression properly, then it's just about being like, well, who am I? how do I want to show up in this world? And then like you have an infinite supply of you inside of you. And all you got to do is tap into that. And that's where you find your authentic expression. And this is where you, um, you know, you stop having to force yourself. And instead, it's just a, a really, it's an exploration. It's a learning how to stretch yourself, learning how to almost stretch your the boundaries of really of, of homeostasis in your mind, you stretch that and you you expand who you are and reshape who you are in that way. And it's not this kind of like brute force white knuckled approach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It to me, it's the difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And yep. in scarcity, you don't have enough. It's always lack. So and you can never fill your cup enough because it's, you know, even if you have huge muscles, they can always be bigger. Or right. even if you have a million dollars, you can always have $5 million or, you know, it, the, the goalposts keep being put further and further out and it's not achievable. Where in an abundance mindset, which is very difficult to achieve for many people. I mean, I know I've been, I've been working on it for literally probably 30 years and it's ebbed and flowed so much, even though I work mm-hmm. on it every day, it's a, it's a difficult thing to attain and maintain. And that's why daily journaling in a creative way can be really just so important. But, um, once you have it, then you, you are complete and then you have something to contribute to the world that nobody else does. And that is what your authentic self is. And that's why I tell people figure it out. What's the thing that you want to spend all your time and energy contributing to this world? Because when we contribute, we contribute to everybody else, help them shift out of their places that, lead them to lack and move everybody towards abundance and, uh, you know, we're all works in progress. So it's like trying to stay in that state where you are enough. And then you want to share that with people. That's is a long-term key to success. And I, and I think that is, uh, is really, really powerful. Uh, do you have anything else to say about that before I move on?
1: No, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the heart of it uh, in a lot of ways. And it's the, I think the biggest part where people get stuck is they, they associate their worth as a person with status, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm only as good as how much money I make, how big my muscles are, how much sex I have, you know, how many friends I have, etc. And, I see the misconception a lot of times where people think, oh, well, you know, that's right. That's dumb. Status doesn't matter. I'm like, well, no, it it absolutely (laughs) does matter. It really does. Uh, But it's your relationship to it. You have to recognize that you have this inherent, untouchable dignity, this sense of self, this human worth that is separate from your status. The goal is to not get your worth from your status, but to have your dignity reflected Mm -hmm. in the status that you pursue and the ways that you pursue it. Right. And so as long as you can keep that clear and you can keep making that mental shift, then you'll be able to, I think, find abundance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, like you said, it's systems versus goals. So if you work on the systems, the goals come to you. If you're always focused on the goals and, you know, going back to Judeo-Christian, you know, it's so pe- people have written comments too. Like, why do you charge for your programs? I'm like, cause I have six children. That's a lot of <laughs> mouths to feed, but money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money, you know, and that it's going back to what you were saying about status. It's the love of your muscles, you know, instead of like being whole and healthy, because that is what makes you feel good and makes it so that you can stay an optimal performer who does your best work and contributes to the world. And, you know, seeking those things out when you are on purpose, it flows to you. And, you know, I'm sure you know about flow state. I love the concept of flow state by mihai Csikszentmihalyi, where he studied, you know, optimal peak performers and where their brain can get. And when they get to that place, they're so in the zone, they're not even striving for achievement anymore. They're loving, they're playing, they're, playing. they're loving being in that moment. When you're in that moment and you enjoy it so much, it comes to you. And we know too, from neuroscience that we all give off electromagnetic fields and when you are trying to get because you lack and you feel scarcity, your energy shifts lower and you literally repel everything you're trying to get because of the stress and the tension that you're putting out there versus when you're not worried about the outcome and you're focused on the systems, it comes to you because your energy is more positive. And you know, a lot of guys that I work with are worried about attracting a partner to them. I'm like, it it really is. Simple, maybe not easy to achieve, but simple. Stop watching porn because it's jacking your energy up, your brain and your energy up. And then do the work like you're talking about. Figure out who your authentic self is, become happy with that, which puts you in a place of joy, which shifts your electromagnetic field, and you'll pull a partner to you. And I've always thought that's the coolest thing. No matter, and I don't know if you'll agree or not, but you know, if you look around the world and you look at people who have partners, there's a partner out there for everybody, all shapes, sizes, like, you know, people can have partners if they get themselves into a place. Cause I work with so many people they are like, I can't get a partner. I'm like, you haven't done the things that you need to, to be able to become attractive. Um, so if we can shift to the art of intensity, apex action, and the idea of you know, needing psychological intensity, and you already started to talk about it a little bit in terms of, you know, going from flight to fight and creating some of that psychological intensity that knowing you have something to fight against, knowing you have something to fight for, mm-hmm. and knowing that there's a loss at stake. Um, Do you have anything else to share about the apex, you know, intensity in terms of creating that psychological friction to move you from and actually I had one more thought about what we were just talking about maybe we can put it together is you know do you have a strategy or a takeaway for people to shift their minds out of scarcity into abundance and creating that psychological sure. tension that helps them to move in the direction of I am enough and I'm here to rock out my best life.
1: Yes absolutely and you know one of the concepts that's always like massively fascinated me is this idea of transmutation you know if you go back to the Ancient alchemists or whatever it was like. How do I turn lead into gold? And Mm -hmm. as you study the progression of it, a lot of that turned into a more psychological process. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I think at the core of it, like the core transmutation that we're all called to learn how to do, is to take that sensation of lack and turn it into this, like you know, the sensation of abundance. You know, turn this black hole into a you know bright supernova. And Mm -hmm. so the question is, well, how the heck am I supposed to do that? Well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the key of it is learning how to first connect with whatever sense of lack you're dealing with. Um, This is what's going to be driving your flight mechanism. This is going to be what's making you feel insecure. And what you have to do then is you have to approach that with a certain level of mindset and openness to where you can actually enter into a connection with that sensation of lack from a place of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so the belief system in here is something that I wrote about in a guide I did called anabolic optimism. And Mm -hmm. the idea behind this is that uh, there's like, you know, I have these different axioms or whatever, but the the first one is the idea that everything that happens to you is the best possible thing that could ever happen to you. Mm -hmm. And this is a pretty super, very, it's gonna be a very difficult thing for someone to try on, especially if they're going through a tough time in their life. But, you know, if we take it further and we look at some of the other ideas in there, it's the idea that Pain is always power wrapped in a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So the, the thought here is if you can connect to that sensation of lack and you can meet it in a state of gratitude, what you're going to find is an, essentially yourself, your essence at your core. Like if I was the easiest way to explain this is in spiritual terms. So I'll do it, but you know, we can translate it into neurochemical terms or whatever, if you want. Yeah, okay. But like the way that I see it is like, we all have this, you know, divine spark, this divine spirit inside of us. And like, well, what the heck does that mean? Well, the way that I see it is that, you know, God, he gave us the best part of him, which is, you know, some people think that it's like, Oh, you got this God shaped hole inside of you. It's like, mm, I think it's a little <laughs> different than that. I think what you have is actually a spark of God and what that means is that we have the capacity to create and desire heaven. And so anytime that we are experiencing the black hole of lack and longing, it's because on some level, we feel like heaven is being denied to us. Mm-hmm. Our desire for infinite, perfect bliss is being you know shattered on the ground and we're not we're not able to get it and we feel distraught. Mm-hmm. But. The trick is when we feel that dist- this this distress, we can actually tap into that burning desire because in many ways, the, the human biology is just a massive desire generating machine. Mm-hmm. And unlike in the Eastern traditions where, you know, they see that as like, you know, something to be dispelled, I think it's actually something to be embraced. I think we want to amplify our desires as much as we possibly can. And then we look to our situation, and be like, all right, how can we move ourselves one step closer to heaven? How can we move ourselves one step closer away from hell? Right. And so it's first tapping into that desire. And every single time you're in a state of lack, there is a huge, intense amount of desire there if you learn how to meet it in gratitude. Now there's your your capacity to hold that lack is limited to by how well you have reformatted your belief system. The weaker your belief system, the less amount of pain and lack you're able to take on at any given time. But if Mm -hmm. you continuously purify your thought processes, the amount of pain and lack that you can take on theoretically is unlimited. And when you reach this point, that's when you are a, a saint, when you are, Mm -hmm. you know, enlightened or whatever you want to call it. And so that's, that's the key to it is learning how to feel your own pain and turn that into a source of power. And that's where you're going to find the intensity that's going to allow you to break homeostasis.
0: I love it. I had to write some notes down because you're so that I wouldn't forget what (laughs) what the (laughs) concepts, because it's totally awesome. Like it's that is literally my language. Just like everything you say is everything I think and and say. And honestly, I'm a very spiritual person, but I try not to put that on my channel just to try to um, keep it at a neuroscience perspective for the sake of like, you know, I've said complex, you know, simplicity versus complexity, but it is complex. And to me, it's a spiritual journey and people email me all the time. Is your, are your videos spiritual? They feel like it, you know, I'll email them back. Don't tell anybody, but you know, transformation is in and of itself spiritual. And I have so many thoughts on, um, what you are saying, because, you know, bad stuff happens to me all the time. Not that, you know, especially when you push your limits perceived, I don't even think there is bad stuff. But like you're saying perceived bad things, you know, someone texted me yesterday because I was dealing with something and they're like, Oh, I hope you're handling all the stress. I'm like, honestly, I'm not stressed out. It's something I'm moving through because I believe, and I know, people don't like to hear this also, that everything happens for a reason. And Mm. I love what you say. Problems are, uh, you know, wrapped in puzzles. And I always call them opportunities. And I extend the term opportunity probably frustratingly to some people because I'm like, you have the opportunity to figure this out and to grow from it. And, you know, my husband and I joke all the time when we have big stuff going on, we're like growing pains, you know, there's no growth without pains. I told you, we have six kids, so... When kids grow, they—they're well, all teenage. Most of them are teenagers, and you know when their legs grow and the growth plates in their—I yeah. had pain. that bad.
1: I had yeah. like, Osgood slaughters or whatever. I'm six four. Yeah. I grew like seven inches <laughs> in one year, and like my knees and like heels, like they hurt like you wouldn't believe.
0: <laughs> Seriously. That in my son, he went to, I thought he had mono. I, t- I took him for COVID tests. Like in last January, he literally went to sleep in January and with COVID in that, you know, I didn't send him to school because I thought he was sick. He woke up in March with like full armpit hair that he didn't have in January. And he was like two feet taller, literally. And he <laughs> he's 15, you know, and it is his he was in pain all over the place, kept taking for COVID tests to see if it was COVID. It wasn't, but you know, everything happens for a reason. I believe it's part of our, our journey here. And I believe it is a spiritual journey. I love what you're saying about heaven and hell. I think we create our own hell from that spark inside of us. Mm -hmm. We, we don't create it, but we don't allow the spark to shine. So we get sucked into the, the hell of the world that is being created by, uh, you know, so many things we won't talk about here, but mainly the way we've been taught to live our life, which can be very, very uh, right. hellish and, and, you know, provoking, but that heaven can be created on earth from us, from within. And it is due to that perspective change because there's not much that is bad to me because I've trained myself through a reformatting of my framework to see all the challenging things as my best growth opportunities. When you're really stuck in a pickle, it means when you come out you will have learned if you take the opportunity you have to take it. Right. you can't you can't run, you can't flee, you can't you know go into flight mode, you have to go into fight or problem solving mode um, to be able to make them into growth opportunities that keep you moving forward. And desire, I think of desire as, you know, if we're thinking in a spiritual way, all of us have innate desires within us. Of course, they become shrouded or blanketed or have a veil over them when we train our brains to just go pleasure seeking. Those aren't our desires because people, because I've talked about this before, where when you have innate, authentic desires within you, you have to get quiet enough to hear it. So like when this porn thing landed in my lap, which I helped someone that I know personally escape, Mm. actually they were massively in, um, Solitary confinement. (laughs) It was very difficult, and I felt I had no choice but to figure it out. And it was one of those moments. And it took me five years, but it took me five years to figure it out, and ninety days to help the person get out of solitary into those other levels of prison, out of prison, thankfully. So that landed in my lap, and I went through that experience. And then I kept feeling this need to share it with other people. I'm like, I feel like I know like this massive secret that nobody else knows. That porn's super damaging. And that there is a way out. yeah. And, but then I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm 48, like a 48 year old woman enter into the porn recovery space, but I couldn't let it go. It's yeah. just there. So I'm like, I got really quiet with myself. And actually I, I threw one video on YouTube without anybody knowing, I, I didn't even tell my husband about any, I told him I have something going on do you want to know about it? He's like, no, (laughs) because I said to him, if you know, you're probably going to want to shut me down. Do you want, I said, I feel like I need to share it with you. And I told him on January of last year, cause I'm like, I just have to tell you what I have going on. He knew I was training. He knew all of that. He just didn't know I was, you know? So anyways, that was in me. That was like this massive desire to help people. So if I would have ignored it, I would have gone against like that flow and that innate.
1: Right feeling inside it's two different it's two different kinds of desires it's like all right imagine you know you as a kid in a sandbox it's like well what do you what do you want to make in the sandbox that's like this expressive desire it's like the cup overflowing that's an abundant Mm -hmm. desire we definitely don't want to get rid of that we want to honor that but that's very different from like the oh what do you want to get that's going to make you you know get the status that you think you need in order to be okay. That's, that's very different. That's where you're coming from that place of scarcity. And it's like, you know, that's where all the, all the addictive desires kind of come from where you're more like this vampire. And that's, that's what we want to get rid of. So it's like, you know, at the heart of all this is desire. It's
0: it's the desire to create and give versus the desire to take, you know, even like in healthy sexuality, I tell people all the time, they're like, I don't know how to have healthy sex. I'm like, just start giving, stop taking when you're (laughs) when you're in a sexual experience with someone, just give, don't take. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you'll figure that out. Just give, don't take and see how that goes. And you know, that's, and obviously like porn recovery, when it landed in my lap, I was perfectly poised to do it, you know, like to study Mm -hmm. the neuroscience behind it, to figure out how to use neurological regulation. It wasn't random at all. And my goal across my entire life is education, coaching, for transformation. And so it's, wasn't random. It was more like, okay, do I go in this direction? And then being able to listen and follow that direction is really powerful and not ignore it and go, no, I'm going to, cause I actually was making more money doing what I was doing that I had to leave because you know, mm. there's only one of me. So I'm, right. I, I left our private practice to transition into this and, uh, you know, so it's passion and desire in that way and to give instead of to take. And, uh, you know, I and and one more thing I wrote down that you were talking about is that I feel like when we level up our ability to I love the way you talk about, you know, having a spark inside of us and we don't have to have a black hole. We can have a spark that spark that we feel internally is our brain being in that flow state in that medium speed. When you stay there, you, and this, uh, this I've struggled with a couple of times in the last couple of weeks in challenging situations, you don't have to take people's pain and lack on you actually just continue to overflow and you, it ripples over their pain and lack. And so when my energy is in a really good spot, which I know how to keep it there, I've violated in the last couple of weeks by being too busy, but when I can keep it there, I there's one story where I was at a party and all these people I don't know, I didn't know at all. I I only knew one person at this party. All these people kept coming up to me and talking to me and I would only tell them like one thing and they were all thanking me for like solving their problems. Even though I really wasn't like talking a lot, it was just the fact that my energy was in this really good space and they were you know feeling it and then I could tell them one thing that resonated with them and they'd walk off versus the the violation of my of my good brain health program is I've been way too busy, busy working and busy going, doing things, you know, seeming pleasure where I'm exhausted from it. And then that breaks down my energy into this mode where I can't ripple that over people as much.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is like, I think is that as you, as you continue to explore this work, at least this is what I found is that, Even if I'm overextending myself, there's still like the capacity to maintain this sort of like invincible core. And like, Mm -hmm. if I was going to try and like explain it, it's like every single thing that you experience is like a prop on the stage of your life. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're willing to play with that prop then you can stay in this expressive mode. Even if one of those props is you're extremely exhausted or you have a, you know, a a migraine, or you've got, you know, a kid screaming over here or whatever. (laughs) It's like, you think about it, like if you go to like an improv comedy show and someone shouts out a joke, and then all of a sudden one of the comedians gets really offended and they stop the show and demand the person to leave, it kind of screws it up for everyone, right? It's like, what do they have to do? They have to continue to stay in character and continue to play. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like, you know, if an actor on a play comes out on the stage and then they're like, start complaining because the lighting's not right. Or because, Mm -hmm. you know, someone missed a line or whatever, they, they snap the whole illusion. The whole thing goes to crap. And so Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you just learn how to play with everything. Mm -hmm. And the more you're able to do that from this you know state of kind of gratitude, the more invincible this state of, of flow and, you know, uh, what do you call it? Resonance or yeah. high energy? Whatever you want to call it, the yeah. more that's going to to stay active.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for me, like, in, well, I should not allow myself to get to a state where I'm over, uh, you know, extended. But when I am, I let people know, not in a you know feel bad for me because I've done to myself type of mode, but as a as a prop, like you said, like here here's the space I've gotten myself into, and it's because of these things. And then now I'm going to. I've already put the other props back in place, you know, meditation, more sleep, cleansing, only, you know, eating protein shakes, basically to detoxify, you know, getting the good props back in and stop getting the, the hat of being too busy. The one that the world applauds, you know what I mean? Take that hat off and get back to the things that make me feel good. Um, Okay. So one more thought and then we'll wrap up because I appreciate your time, but do you, or could you share your definition of sexual self-mastery?
1: Sure. So, I guess this this applies across a few different domains. So, in the realm of uh, quitting pornography, sexual self mastery is when you reach the place of being able to be exposed to pornography and basically be repulsed by it. Mm -hmm. That's that would be a complete remapping of your brain, Mm -hmm. where like someone shows it to you, and your just immediate reaction is kind of just like "ew," and then you just kind of like walk away and you don't care about you don't think about it again. That would be, you know, the pinnacle on that level. How Um, likely
0: do you think that is for most people out of curiosity?
1: uh, It depends on how much work they are willing to put in. Mm -hmm. I think it's very attainable to get to the point where a guy could see pornography get slightly like feel an arousal, but then walk away and be fine. That would Mm -hmm. probably take, you know, if you're doing the right set of reconditioning practices, like a year to two years, Mm -hmm. Um and then even more attainable is just living porn free where like, OK, you see the porn, you get triggered, you like, but you have a process in place that can handle it. And then you can walk away and after a few minutes or whatever, you'll be fine with maybe a, a thought here or there later that that comes up like mm-hmm. that's ultra attainable for everybody. And you can do that in a, in a matter of months.
0: Definitely. So
1: yep. that's what I'd say for you know, that part, when it comes to, you know, interpersonally, like with other women, Mm -hmm. it would be you being able to reach a point where you are not trying to get anything. Like you can see a beautiful woman and you don't immediately fall into this state of insecurity. Like most Mm -hmm. guys, they see a really hot woman, especially if they've got a porn problem and all of a sudden they feel uncomfortable. They feel anxious. They feel insecure and they need to like, keep looking at her because they projected some of their worth, on her and like then they got to try and figure out how am I going to reunite with that worth and you know usually unless they're going to go try and hit on her which is kind like mm-hmm. of like more the path of like the sex addict and whatnot he's going to try and reclaim that piece of himself he's put on her through actual sexual union the other guys they're just going to take her image and then reunite unite with her sexually in their their fantasies and whatnot mm-hmm. and so you'd have to completely remove that and get to the point where you can engage purely in an additive way with women where you're constantly sharing who you are. It's like, Hey, yeah, I'll shine my light on you to the extent Mm -hmm. which is appropriate. And if, you know, maybe you can vibe with it and we can, you know, share something together and it can be good, whether it's platonic or sexual or, or whatever it is, um, learning how to do it like Mm -hmm. that. And then on the deepest level, like, personally sexual self-mastery is uh the capacity to engage in sexual transmutation where you're using any you're able to take any unused sexual charge and turn it into um energy to to go out and essentially raise your status like mm-hmm. the way I, I don't know exactly how this works for women mm-hmm. but for men it's like there are, i think there's two modes of sexual expression for a man Mm -hmm. One is an overt sexual behavior, like a courtship process or actual sex. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other one is status enhancement. Like if you're a, like, cause for a man, his attractiveness is in many ways is his status. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, say you're hunter gatherer, you know, ancestor, he's a young guy, he's horny, but no girls will pay attention to him because he has no resources. He has no status, whatever. So what's his option? It's like, well. If he wants to have sexual opportunity in an authentic way, then he's got to raise his status. Mm-hmm. And so that sexual energy is 100% able to be switched. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do that as a man on demand is, I think, a key component of sexual self mastery.
0: Yeah, cool. I like it. Yeah, I, I read some book. I forget which book, book it was now. I read it a long time ago about lobsters. I don't know if you read. I don't remember yeah. the book. Jordan Peterson's Lo- book. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. You're yeah. right, right. With the lobsters, which, and for me, what I think, especially being a woman, but um especially being in this space, is that healthy people do that, like whether you're a man or a woman. But there's the the number of healthy, sexually and emotionally healthy people out there is going down by the minute, be, and porn's at a at the root of that. Like so many women are hypersexualizing themselves, and they're mm-hmm. gaining their status from being objectified, like not. I talked to somebody recently about this, like the whole idea of an alpha male, like women have, you know, alpha women, we all have the alpha version of ourselves versus the, the beta or the worst version of ourselves. And it might not play out exactly the same, you know, in terms of genders. Cause I do believe in gender also, or, you know, s- sex in that way. But at the same time, like, you know, women, should be sexual. I think so many women are hyposexual because mm. because hypersexuality in their partner has entered into their relationship, and they know it, even though they might not know that their partner is watching porn or you know many people are acting out on the internet in terms of you know webcam sex or affairs or prostitutes whatever yeah. where their men are acting out and that swings them in a hypo mode. So you mm. know I've talked to women lately who are like, you know, if I never had sex again, I'd be fine with it. I'm like, that's not cool. That's not healthy. You are not in a good place. Like that's not healthy. And so many women have swung that way because of hypersexuality in men, it's really screwing with everybody in that nobody can trust anybody. Men don't trust their partners. Women don't trust their men because, uh, because it really is dysfunctional. And, you know, that's why I'm talking about recovering from porn because porn is so, you know, I always say it's sleuthy people. Some people don't like that word, but it is like, it's this undertone that nobody's relating a lot of this dysfunction back to, and it's creating all these changes in how people perceive themselves and each other. And it's definitely contributing to this role confusion and, and, you know, people not knowing what they could and should be doing. But a yeah, conversation the, probably for another day. Go yeah,
1: ahead, <laughs> I, I was just saying my, my final thought is that like, I really believe like the reason like why I got into this line of work is because like growing up, I just wanted to be a superhero. I was the kid that just like literally like wore his Superman and like <laughs> Spider-Man and Batman pajamas like all day. I'll do a combat role into like every room and just like, I just, that's just who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm, and better. as I grew up, like I realized like, And I had my own awakening around this kind of stuff. Like I realized this is one of the biggest problems in the world. Cause if Mm -hmm. you look at the way society's structured, we got the family unit and that's the fundamental thing. And then the sexual relationship between husband and wife, that's what that whole thing's built around. Mm -hmm. And once you throw porn, a porn addiction in there, which, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what do we even think? Like 80%, 90% of guys have today. Yeah. It's gotta be up there. Probably higher.
0: It's insane. It's insane. It's and, and it's it, it's not even measured. And I was I was thinking right. I need to let the world know this, that basically all science, by the time it comes to impl- implementation, is 10 years behind. And, and even so, nobody's talking about it. No one's admitting to it. And it's happening more and more, but it's insanely high.
1: Right. And so it's like a mass amount of people have this fundamental problem at the very heart of what build society. If we could at least make a big dent in this, if we could mm-hmm. learn how to look at porn in the same way we look at smoking or something like that. Like, Definitely. you know, it's almost a similar process where, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, smoke like like porn is being advocated as a super healthy healthy thing that, mm-hmm. you know, have it in unlimited quantities. Mm-hmm. Here's this doctor telling you how good it is for you. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with cigarettes. Same mm-hmm. thing actually happened with cocaine back yep. in the day. Yep. And it's just like <laughs> We're hopefully in a process of you know adjusting our socialization mechanisms and keeping our kids off this kind of stuff, and you know we can. Yeah, and that with with
0: cigarettes, it took over sixty years to go from cigarettes are good for you to fake science, fake science supporting cigarettes, cigarettes are good for you, to people starting to go, I don't think this is good for me as an individual, and then then finally you know black box warnings, and some people still using, but but the majority not, and. You know, I feel like we're in the first couple of years of that. You know, Gary Wilson started the ball rolling with that and it it gained traction, but not anywhere near the traction that it needed to. And that's why I think getting into this space is so important. Anybody who can get into this space and start talking about it and collaborating between each other because it's in the, you know. I don't even want to guess how many millions of people are impacted men are impacted and the ripple effect to their partners and their children the and I you know I'm sure you are aware of it but the dysfunction that happens in families the way it impacts children I was talking to someone the other day that their their kids have disowned them because of his previous behavior and even yes. though they've salvaged their relationship that family is going to have problems generationally for a long time and it's probably been there for generations before you know so um yeah yeah, it's tough stuff tough stuff so thank you for um i was gonna say i had one wonder woman underoos but you're probably how old are you uh i'm 32 Yeah, i was gonna say you probably don't even remember what underoos were (laughs) because they were (laughs) gone by um by the time you were available you know ready to be wearing them so i i get you on the superhero and that's why i think everybody has to find the superhero within them and rock out that best version of themselves
1: absolutely thank you
0: again um i don't know if you want to wrap up by talking about your reforged program if sure. you because you know i always tell people if what i ha- offer them and if people stumble upon me and i'm not a good fit for them i don't need to be a good fit for you i need you to find someone who is a good fit for you so that we can make this dent in the world. So I'd love you to share about your program.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm just about to actually hopefully this weekend, if we can get all everything all tied up, we're gonna be launching my new Reforged Man cohort program, which is like the third or fourth iteration of my porn recovery process. And I think it's the best yet. And so it's moving to a cohort model, which means a bunch of guys go through all the material together. You know, there's gonna be mentoring calls and I basically take you through all the levels of self-awareness and all the shifts that need to happen on each level um, and give you a real strategic game plan for how to heal your split mind. Like you got one part that wants porn, one part that part that thinks it's bad. Well, we got to re-knit that connection through multiple layers and that's what this program's about and it'll help you quit porn from the inside out and help you quit it quit it for good. So, uh if you're interested in that, you can go to reforgeman.com. Hopefully the link will be up and functioning properly by uh the time this this gets aired. And mm-hmm. um otherwise, you can check me out on YouTube uh just Mark Quepit or you can even type in universal man too. That that should still bring me up as well.
0: Yeah, sweet. Thanks Mark. Thanks for Thank your you. time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so okay. much for having me. Yeah.
0: Thanks.